I tell you, actually, just um, I was talking to my mom like maybe 10 minutes ago and she asked me to go see, go to the cinema because they do a deal here in Dunleary uh, every Thursday. It's a fiver. They call it online Thursdays. And for some mad reason, because if you book your ticket online, it's a fiver. If you go and like, get it in person, it costs, I don't know, like nine or 10 euro. But for, mm. if you get it online, it's uh, it's only a fiver. I really like it as a deal That's... concept. Uh, but anyway, it gets people in the door. And she said, you want to go to the cinema to see something? And I was like, yeah, definitely. What is there on? And then she was like running through the selection of films. And there's absolutely nothing on at the moment. Yeah. No, it's the same here. And like films in Berlin stay out forever. Like they're still showing like Bohemian Rhapsody and shit in some places. And like, I, so I have like a year's worth of films to go and see. And there's just nothing, nothing that I have to, that some, I feel I should. Someone asked should me go last night if I wanted to go see Rocket Man. And I said, <laughs> no, man, that is so much yesterday's news. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to see that three months ago and you're still asking me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the tactic. Like, we'll just leave it in the cinema and then after a while you'll be like, ah, oh, I may as well. I'll go see Elton. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, there is the internet. But I was thinking that's probably why the selection of films that we've got this week, there's a lot of oldies in it. A lot of 4K restorations. <laughs> mm, 75% oldies. Old time. I feel like it's funny because there's a lot of films, you know, ones that you kind of hear of a lot. And you're like, yeah, I've seen that. And then when you think of it, like, so I, this week, spoiler alert, I'm going to talk about Reservoir Dogs. And it's like, I watched it and I was like, wow, I know I've seen this before, but I actually couldn't remember the plot of this film at all. Yeah. Like if someone ha- <laughs> yeah. was like, what happens in Reservoir Dogs? I'd be like, oh, they have, they wear suits. And yeah. <laughs> but like I'm sure there's so many films like that where you're like yeah I've definitely yeah, seen yeah, it yeah. But... I mean I watched Reservoir Dogs when I was what like 17 I mean I always worry about it. it's the same with books when you read books and you forget the entire plot I mean mm. there's books I've read and it took me a long time to read these things and then I forget the entire book and I wonder was there any point in reading it in the first place does any of that yeah. stay in my brain <laughs> that's what do you know what uh, Emer's dad does is he has all of his books and at the end of the book he writes just um a rating out of 10 just just for himself a little like seven or eight out of ten and then ones <laughs> that are higher than seven like if he's thinking about reading them again he'll check the rating and go ah oh, that's an eight like i'll give that another read <laughs> if it's if it's below an eight you're like oh, i'll leave that one be that's brilliant <laughs> yeah it's that's nice. the most loveliest little thing it's like a little it's like a little imdb or rotten tomatoes but it's just for you <laughs> and what's really weird is that it's now become like Emer's dad's book rating has now become the standard rating across most parts of the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the old seven, eight out of ten. <laughs> yeah, seven or eight. I wonder what percentage of all films ever made are seven or eight out of ten or between seven and eight. I'd say between six and eight is nearly every film. If you were going to, would you ever go and Rotten Tomatoes to check out a film? Uh, it's sometimes afterwards, but I tend to not go onto Rotten Tomatoes because like it's just beforehand. reviewers. It's just kind of all the reviewers packed on one. I don't, not even afterwards. I'm not a big Rotten Tomatoes guy or IMDb. Well, would um, you like, would you have something like, would you watch a film that was a six? Like, would you say, oh, I'd only really oh. bother checking out if it was an eight. Like, would you go for a six? From a principal point of view, I'd say that I'd like to let the film, you know, let me make my own mind up. 
But honestly, if I, you know, Google the film to find out when it's on, they're going to show me a percentage there of Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb and audience score on Google. And if it's like six, I could feel myself going, ah, I'm not going to go see that. Yeah. <laughs> six is nearly worse than like four or three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's just six. <laughs> um, we go for the first film. Um, yeah, sure. So the first film uh, was one that I saw, a film called Barbarian Sound Studio, which I watched on my television at home. Um, directed by Peter Strickland and yeah I'm not sure what year it came out but we can find out Um, and yeah here is my voice review Hey man I just watched Burberian Sound Studio uh, directed by Peter Strickland Uh, came out in 2013 I think stars Toby Jones and a load of other um, actors that are in other Peter Strickland films I actually haven't seen any others, but I've watched the trailers for all of them. I, I decided to watch it because he has that new film out called In Fabric, which is about, it, it seems to be about a haunted dress that someone buys and then is haunted by the dress. But uh, yeah, the film was really, really weird. It was about a guy who is doing sound for a horror film, but like, I don't know, I guess it's set in like the 70s. So it's all on tapes and it's just like him, I guess it's kind of like a horror film, but not really. It's, he's doing the sound for a horror film, and it's basically him having to record all these horrific sounds, and he just starts getting a bit freaked out by having to listen to all this freaky stuff all the time, and like he just repeatedly has to listen to screaming and like squelching and squashing and stabbing and all this stuff, and he just kind of <laughs> gets a bit affected by it, and it's just yeah, that's just it. It's it's really weird. Um, Really weird film, weirder than I thought it was going to be. Um, also pretty funny. Uh, yeah, would recommend. Definitely has me eager to see other Peter Strickland films as well. Um, yeah, good one. Toby Jones is cool as well. I don't, I'm not sure what other films I've seen. He has one of those faces that I feel like I've just seen a lot of stuff with him in it. But it's uh, yeah, has me excited to see other stuff with him in it because he's pretty good. Yeah, there you go. I I, re- I didn't sound very enthusiastic there, did I? I yeah, kind of sounded like I was like, falling asleep. No, it was it, it was a really it was a cool one. Like it was really strange. And I've I've since read about it and looked on it online. And it seems to be generally considered a horror film and it's like categorized as horror and it's in horror forums and stuff. But what's interesting is like there's the only horror aspect of it really is just sound. Like it's just him listening to horror sounds. You don't even see any set pieces or props from the the film within That's the brilliant. film. Yeah, it's it's interesting and it's just him constantly listening to these shrill screams and you see the voice actors screaming. So there's a lot of close-up shots of the mm-hmm. voice actors screaming and then you see his reaction to it. And it just, it is, it kind of makes you as the viewer kind of be like, oh, fuck, this is horrible to like have to... I absolutely just stuck love in the concept. I think it's such a good idea for a film. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. And it's kind of, uh, he's he's also, to add another kind of element, I guess, of weirdness or scariness, he is supposedly this well-renowned sound engineer and he's been sent to Italy. So everyone he's working with is speaking in Italian and they're really like weird with them and a lot of them don't speak English. So he's kind of lost and kind of alienated among them. And then he just has to listen to them all screaming and stuff. So adds to like, gives a lot of weird suspense and kind of, yeah, really, really (laughs) interesting way to do it. 
Yeah, I guess um, what I, what I was wondering was is the sound good in it? I mean, is the sound quality good? Because when that's the concept, I there's some films where the sound is noticeably very very impressive and i was wondering if they made like an extra effort because this film is essentially about sound was the sound like very good in it yeah the sound was amazing like all of the soundscapes and the the sounds from the film then even just the music and the way the music cut in and out and stuff just sounded really good they actually released the soundtrack i think it was made by someone famous i'm not sure but it was released on Warp Records, if you know that. Aphex Twin does a lot of stuff on Warp Records ah, and okay. other people. But um, yeah, it was released on on that label. And yeah, definitely interesting. And I, I, it's kind of an homage to Jallo horror, which was, a, I think, a phrase that I hadn't heard of. It means yellow, which is apparently a reference to the type of um, paper they used to write the scripts on or something like that. Ah, but, okay. Um, Suspiria is considered a, a Jallo or jello horror and it's kind of a homage to that so you'll see a lot of as well like in the music and even the way the shots are done of corridors and stuff it's kind of reminiscent of suspiria and other movies like that so okay. yeah it was it was an interesting one have you seen the trailer for that film in fabric that peter strickland made no, a24 no. One. is that is that a new one that's one that's coming it's already done the rounds in ireland actually so i think you might have missed it but ah, okay. it's yet to come out here but it's in fabric but I just, I guess for me, um, I always love sound in film. I always look out for it. And I think it's often the unnoticed, you know, um, it's like the unnoticed thing in cinema that's like maybe the most important thing, you know, mm. definitely on par with visuals. But when you're taught uh, in film school, they say sound is 55% of the film. Uh, because mm. like when it got added in, you know, if there's a bad edit or if there's bad acting or if there's bad, you know, cinematography, let's say the light's wrong or something like that, it could be forgiven so easily. It's very, very easy to forgive that. But if there's like really crappy sound, it mm. just, it's unlistenable, you know? And if there's a bad edit, you just hear it in the sound and it sounds yeah. awful. And I really love films that, you know, really pay attention. And, you know, like Christopher Nolan always does a really good job of this sound. Your man, Sylvian Chaumet, he's this French director who did, you know, the triplets of Belleville and um, Le Magicien. Uh, he makes films and they're all just insane. Even that film that I told you to watch uh, this week, um, the Jacques Tati film, that's got great sound in it. And it's really yeah. smart how it plays with it. And I really love films that focus on it because it, you can do so much with sound. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Another yeah. thing about this one as well was it, it showed... Um, so this it was set i don't know when it was set but all the sound is done on tapes and it showed how he was doing it and he had these long like map things of where different sounds would come in and songs would come in and like and just lining up all the tapes to like record yeah. all of these things you never really think about like i never really thought about how they add sound to films before and i was yeah. like whoa that's, that's like insane <laughs> yeah it must have been so difficult i'm sure it's still very difficult now but definitely when you're doing it on tapes it must have been like crazy and toby to jones do. how was he i love him so much yeah, I, I felt i was like when i when i went, decided to watch it i was like oh hell yeah toby jones and then i was like why what else is he in? he's dobby <laughs> i know he's dobby he's in everything he's he's all over the place he's one of those actors that he'll be some small part in a film and yeah. somehow like i think very few actors do this when they're playing a small part in a film they like make the film somehow just with like a mm. two second part i remember him being in the hunger games for literally 
20 seconds and me just going i love that movie just because it's like remember he just has such an interesting face like his yeah, face yeah. is so odd it really yeah, like... he's a strange strange looking man <laughs> he's in jurassic world too as well yeah what he's dobby he's dobby's voice he's in hunger games he's in uh i know he's average hitchcock in uh the girl um I, I suppose that's more of a main role he's in tinker taylor soldier spy uh he's really good in that um he's a he's a great actor really, really did like you hear him. that thing about him like not being being legally prohibited from ever doing dobby's voice no say that apparently there's some i think i heard it on Kermode and mayo podcast i almost definitely did um that uh he legally can't do his dobby impression like on camera not as dobby you know what i mean <laughs> like he's prohibited from doing it contractually it's pretty funny <laughs> I suppose it really That's take the magic funny. away if you could see him do it. Like, if it was just Toby Jones doing it, it would make it a bit. <laughs> What's bit weird. the Toby Noby Jones thing? That's the, it was a Toby Jones, not a Noby Jones. I don't know. That's a that's a Kermode and Mayo reference um, that they do. There's an in joke. I think it, that when a film has Toby Jones in it, it's called a Toby Jones, and when he's not present in the film, that being nearly all films, uh, it's called a Noby Jones. I think that's oh, well, the joke. But, um, this one was a certified Toby Jones, anyway. <laughs> anyway, good film. Yeah, absolutely, definitely check it out. Really different, weird. Like it wasn't like I was. I, it wasn't over, and I was like, "Whoa, that's the best film ever." But it was over, and I was like, "Oh, cool. <laughs> that was weird, and I liked it." <laughs> nice, nice times. Um. So yeah, what do we have? Uh, what do we have up next, Killian? Next one's on you. The next one is a film I went to see, and there was a little bit of drama when I went to see this in the cinema a couple of weeks ago. It's Varda by Agnes. Agnes Varda is a French film director who passed away this year at the age of 90 after making films for about 70 years or something like that. And this is her final film, and I went to see it in the cinema in the IFI, and this is what I thought straight after it. And you'll find out what happened. Yeah, I just got out of... (laughs) I just got out of the first three quarters of Varda by Agnes. Agnes Varda is um, a French filmmaker who was part of the French New Wave. uh, And she was a very important figure in cinema history, really. A great feminist filmmaker who did documentary realism and made Clio 5 till 7, a really famous film. And uh, she's made amazing movies and she died, uh, I think it was just this year, back in March. But this was her kind of swan song, her final film. And she mixes sort of fiction and narrative and staging. And she's really playful and inventive. And and this film was, I mean, from the 75% of it that I saw, just a wonderful journey, really touching. Basically her, which I really appreciate uh, as an artist, giving her last you know, her last time on earth uh, to making good art when uh, going past the pub. Um, yeah, spending the last time that she has on earth making wonderful films to kind of sign off to us. And it's really, it was really very touching. And you got to see, through seeing the span of her art and her films, you get to see sort of the span of culture over the last. Uh, 40, 50, 60 years even. And uh, yeah, it was just a really beautiful film. It was a shame that it got cut off. There was a power cut in the cinema 
and um, it got it got shut down. But um, I'll get a free ticket for it. So, and maybe maybe an extra free ticket. Who knows? But yeah, uh, Varda by Agnes haven't finished the film, obviously, but. And I hope I'll be able to see the rest of it because it's, you know, I think that was the last screening of it. But uh, a wonderful, touching film about a wonderful, touching filmmaker. Yeah, well, as you can see, very uh, emotional when I was watching that film. Maybe you can't see, but I was. I think uh, Agnes Varda is one of those artists or creatives or whoever who, for some reason or other, I've always felt very connected with. Or she's made art that really speaks to me or something like that. I just love her style mm. and I love her approach to to making films. It's really um, creative and she's really experimental, but not in like a, I'm trying to be experimental kind of way. She just uh, likes to play with things, you know, yeah, yeah. and um, and that's sort of her approach to filmmaking. She kind of likes messing around with things and playing with things and doing things in different ways. And that last film was her going through her Uh, her whole career as an artist and a filmmaker and, you know, going through them and saying why she made the decisions that she made to do this or do that and the other. And um, it was really touching. Uh, She was really personal and nice and lovely. So it was nice to spend a bit of time with her. So was it, it was, it was like her making a a documentary about her own life. Yeah, that's kind of, she always really involves herself in all the films that she makes. She always puts Hmm. herself in them, uh, especially what happened was she was, you know, a filmmaker and she made kind of documentary realistic narrative films. But then uh, when digital cameras came in, she, you know, just like small crappy digital cameras that you could get. She started Ooh. making documentaries just with them and uh, a sound guy. And like um, she would make really interesting ones where she was in them a lot and she would make herself the subject matter or kind of compare herself with the subject matter. And she always puts herself in them. and. It just, I don't know, she's really clever at doing it. She's really smart and kind of not too serious ever. Always a little bit playful and really humorous and very human. Yeah. It's just lovely, lovely stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, did you ever get to see the rest of the film? No, that was unfortunately the last screening of that film in Ireland. So I couldn't watch the last. What I did find out was that it was only five minutes left of the film. And okay. I... Uh, I what I missed was just kind of some sort of conclusion. What's a good like entry into the world of Agnes Varda? Uh, I guess the less pretentious side of it would be her documentaries, which are really nice and easy watching. So Le Glaneur, mm-hmm. which is a film about people who kind of collect things. Um, like she started filming people who were going through the markets in, uh, in Paris uh, after the markets had happened and were picking up all the apples and cabbages that hadn't cool. been eaten and she kind of started looking at this there it's called gleaning and she looked at gleaning across cultures and how it's something that people do and then she starts talking about how she is a gleaner but with images it's really good uh mm. and it's got good music in it so les glaneurs les glaneurs okay okay i'll check it out that sounds cool please do D- did you um did you get your free ticket yeah i did it was also a free ticket for being such a loyal member to the ifi they gave me a whole free ticket they said hey man your club card points have, you know, totted up and you get a free ticket. And I was like, thank you very much, man. And then I went into the film and then the film, uh, you know, went right up to the last <laughs> five minutes and then it cancelled. So I got myself, it's a carry on free ticket. So I haven't paid for the cinema in months, baby. Whoa. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it's nearly better that it just ended because I, I went to see once, uh, 
what's that the grand budapest hotel oh yeah and that had a power cut during the film and then they put the power back on but when they put the power back on for some reason they restarted the film about 25 minutes earlier than it um (laughs) left off and that was actually a way worse experience because then i was like oh this film feels really long now and with no extra content just had to watch the same scenes again and i'm all for watching a film multiple times but right away is is a bit much and the presence of willem dafoe didn't help you through or not that time no i wasn't i wasn't (laughs) as as infatuated with him then as i am now Um, i did once watch whiplash twice in a row and I watched the Beyonce film twice in a row. It ended and I was like, start it again. Reload. <laughs> take two. Take two. I've heard people doing that with songs, but not with whole films. Mm, that's kind of like a song. Whiplash too. <laughs> I guess it's a musical journey. Um, what about the next film? What do we got next on the cards? Yeah. So as, as I mentioned earlier, I watched Reservoir Dogs this week. Um, a nice thing I did actually, I did it today and I did it with Reservoir Dogs. I, I got up. And like the first thing I did in the day was I watched the film like oh. at like half nine or 10 in the morning. And it was quite nice because I feel like uh, watching a movie is something that you usually do in the evening. Yeah. And then I watched it and it ended and then I went to work and I was like, whoa, I'm in work. But I feel like, you know, I've already had a whole day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like going for a run like, in the no, morning, like, but a bit different. Yeah, yeah. My brain is like, all right, film's over, time for bed. And then my, but then I was like, oh, it's actually time for work. Um, <laughs> anyway, here, as I said earlier, I had seen Reservoir Dogs before, but it had been long enough that I, I really kind of hadn't. Um, so here's what I thought of it. Hey, man. I just watched uh, Reservoir Dogs there, Quentin Tarantino, classic. Um, I'd only seen it once, but I saw it when I was like a little kid, so I haven't, I couldn't remember really the story or anything. I just knew they had the old suits and shit. Um, it was cool. Uh, I feel like his style has changed a lot. Like, I kind of forgot, like, he's known for having real cool music and, I don't know, all the, all the people, all the actors in the films are all real cool. Like, the dialogue is written really well. It's great. It was a really good movie. I thought it was interesting how it's all about, like, uh, uh, robbery but you don't see the robbery you just see like everything that happened immediately before and immediately after but he never shows it I thought that was kind of interesting um, yeah he's really good like I've kind of written him off now as being a bit shit like the things like Django Unchained and Glorious Bastards and all that stuff Hateful Eight they're all fine but they're kind of movies that you just watch once and you're like oh yeah that was that was class and then you just never ever think about it again really you just let it go but that one was that one's good i liked that a lot um it's also funny because i feel like when he was originally making these films they were the like they everyone thought they were super violent and he kind of had a reputation and still does i guess for having for being a super all his movies being super violent and shit but the the violence that's in them is actually nothing compared to what happens now like a lot of gr- violent shit happens but anytime it got really grotesque like the bit where one of the guys gets his ear chopped off it doesn't even show it the camera pans to the side and then it happens and then it pans back and the ear is gone so like it seems like what people even people who are notorious for violence what they were willing to actually put on screen is way different from what it is now um Quentin Tarantino himself is in it and he fucking sucks. 
he shouldn't put himself in films. I remember seeing him in some of his other ones before, and I was like, fucking hell, get him out of there. But, uh, yeah, good one. It's a good one. I like it a lot. Um, it hasn't made me any more excited to see that Hollywood one, though, because obviously, as I said, his style's totally different now. So he's basically like a different director, really. There we go. Yep, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Tarantino. Tarantino. I liked, I liked watching that, and I intentionally watched it partly because as i said that new one's coming out and i kind of wanted to remind myself what his old films were like because i feel like the likes of of django unchained and the hateful eight and glorious bastards they're all kind of like i nearly can't even though the stories are about different things i can't really even differentiate between them it's just like Mm-hmm. Christoph Waltz doing his thing and then like some violent stuff and then <laughs> it's like it I associate them all being really long and like unnecessarily long and just like I don't know what do you think of those films do you like those new Quentin Tarantino I guess, films I guess well I mean I, I think um, like just on what you're saying like I've been very apprehensive to watch any of the early Tarantinos because I think he was one of the filmmakers that first sort of made me think about films being constructed in any sense of like when I was younger, I'd watch Lord of the Rings and go, that was amazing and get totally lost in it. But when he, when I watched his films and they were long linear and stuff, they really made me go, oh, a film is something that's made and sort of think a little bit about it. And now I'm too scared to watch his films because I'm worried because of his sort of new ones that I look at them and I go, God, they're just sort of one off, nothing in them, a bit flat films that if I watch the old ones, I would kind of go, God, they are not so good as well and they mean a lot to me like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction they, they're films that mean a lot to me no I, I th- yeah so I, I thought that too that's that's why as I said I wanted to go back and see and no it wasn't the case and there's definitely like there's definitely similar things in it like everyone is everyone in Reservoir Dogs is really cool and the dialogue like they're all like real macho guys and they make you know loads of jokes about you know their dicks and stuff <laughs> yeah they uh and they all like smoke and wear suits and look cool, but like it's done well. And the the music, I feel like in the context of his older films, playing like soul sound of the seventies tunes and stuff, the way yeah. he does it and the way it's like smooth, slick soul music and people doing violent stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, this is so cool. Whereas nowadays in the new ones, when that happens, I'm kind of like, bah, whatever. Like, yeah, it's it's kind of like the way like in in Iron Man or action films, they like play like a Led Zeppelin song over like a fucking the Avengers doing some shit and people are like, whoa, that's so cool. It's like an old rock song, but like modern. And it's like, yeah, fuck, yeah. whatever. But like back then in the context of his old films, it's like, it's really good. And parts of the story, I was really like, fuck. Like I really couldn't remember it. And certain things happened where yeah. I was like, damn, like, whoa, it's this brilliant. is, uh, I can't so believe well written. Yeah. that happened. Um, and it, it's also interesting. It's kind of like a play. Like the most of the film takes place in like one room. Mm. Um, another thing he did, which I guess, I don't know if this was always, like, because I feel like he does this in a lot of his movies now, but, like, he split it into sections, and, like, so in this one, each section was a different character, you know, the characters have different colors, yeah, white yeah, yeah, and yeah, pink, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. then, like, there would be the main story, and then in it, it would say, like, Mr. White, and then it would have his backstory, and then yeah. it would the other person's backstory, and I feel like, yeah, in that one, it felt kind of cool and original, and made sense, but I feel like nowadays if i was to see that in one of his films i'd be like oh fuck off i don't i don't want to see this yeah shit. he I, I will say i thought the hateful eight was a bit of a return to form and i thought the hateful eight was really very good um but but but, but before that i think there was like 
five films that I just had no time for. And I, I almost like maybe maybe everyone is overly critical because the reality is watching like Inglorious Bastards and um and even Django and Change, I was kinda like, these are pretty cool films. This is kind of good. But they're almost like cool what I thought was cool when I was, you know, sixteen years old. And I'm Man, worried yeah. that like that's what that's what Tarantino is. Like he makes films for maybe sixteen year old maybe boys. I don't know. That's and what like, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Films for teenagers. And there's not there's nothing in them that makes me kind of think that much or uh mm-hmm. I don't know. But then I also want to just pick up on what you said about him being in the films because he's he's so bad at acting oh, that it doesn't terrible. just like I think it's remarkable that you can have 50 million, 60, 70 million budget film and no one on set is going, there's no producer somewhere going, man, Quentin, you can't be in the film. You're so bad at acting. Get out of there. Like in, in what is it? Django Unchained. He ruined the entire film just with his cameo at the end. Yeah. Oh, he, that, he is so, he does an Australian accent that is just like beyond bad. He's like, had a goal, mate, or something like that. It's awful. He's awful. It's so funny, like to imagine him, like imagine like if he's watching a scene back that he's in and he's critiquing other actors. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, sorry, fucking Samuel L. Jackson or whatever. We're going to have to cut that again. You fucked it. And Samuel L. Jackson just has to bite <laughs> his tongue and be like, Winton, you fucked every scene. <laughs> I actually heard that uh, a story of someone who was casting in front of Tarantino and uh, someone else, the casting director. And he said that when you do a reading uh, to try get the part, Tarantino who loves acting so much gets so into the reading that he pays like zero attention to you and it's usually the casting director is like hey this guy's actually pretty good and Tarantino was like totally lost in his own performance it's just a reading and um, yeah. I think he really he loves acting and it's just very funny that no one says like man don't you you take you ruin the whole realism of the film because you're looking at it, you mm. go that's just Quentin Tarantino acting badly it's funny because I, I didn't I didn't know he still did it. I thought he because uh, yeah. he's in um what's that one Dusk Till Dawn, the vampire one with George Clooney. That's those those three like Dusk Till Dawn and the Double Bill one. That's like the epitome of teenager film. It's like pure teenager yeah, times. It is. Yeah, he's just t- teenager man, teenager man. <laughs> mm. He actually is kind of a teenager man, isn't he? When you yeah, see how he that is, ha- um, carries on, he, he's, he seems to be obsessed with what is cool, and I think. For someone who's as good as he is, I mean, he really like in terms of writing dialogue and having plots, he, I mean, Reservoir Dogs is so good, like the plot and how it's made and everything and really having like a visual Mm. understanding for film. I think maybe people are a little overly critical on him and say like, we expect more or something like that. What do you think about the Hollywood film? Are you looking forward to it? What is it? Made in Hollywood or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's funny because the whole time I was watching the trailer, I was like, I kept being like, oh, this looks shite. It looks the same as his last film. Oh, what's the, what the hell's the name of that film with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? And it's actually not directed by Quentin Tarantino. It's directed by Martin Scorsese, I think. Where Leonardo DiCaprio gets rich and then he oh, takes the, drugs. Oh, The Aviator? And... No. Where Wolf Leonardo DiCaprio... Yeah. I was Street. like, this just looks like that other Quentin Tarantino film, Wolf of Wall Street. And the whole time I was comparing the two, I was like, Quentin Tarantino just makes shit films these days. And then I remembered that <laughs> he didn't even make Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> but uh, no, I don't know. Like, 
I kind of just, I nearly think like I'm just sick of seeing Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt's faces. I don't think, I think they've, yeah. I think they've like fully done every role that I'd ever find them interesting in and they're just done. <laughs> <laughs> Their faces have become, I remember this happened with that really famous pop star, Cheryl, Cheryl Cole or Cheryl Crow or whatever. She was, she was like the hottest, two different people, right? Cheryl Cole, the English one who was married to Ashley Cole. Uh, she was like mm. considered the most beautiful person. But then I was like maybe a 14 year old kid and I was looking at her on a magazine going, I have no more. I can't. I am unable to be attractive to this person anymore because she's just omnipresent. She's everywhere. She's on every <laughs> magazine. I'm no longer me like a randy 14 year old yeah. boy can no longer be attracted to you because you're just everywhere. I've seen you too many times. <laughs> Wallpaper. Oversaturation. Yeah. But that's but that's honestly it. Like I, when I saw like I saw um <laughs> Jesus man. I saw uh what's his face? Brad Pitt and thing and Brad Pitt has like a country accent. He's like, Don't forget you're fucking Randy Jackson or whatever he says in the ad and then <laughs> and then it's just like ah oh, fuck's sake. It it's just more of the same stuff, you know? But maybe it'll yeah, be good. Yeah. I don't know. I also would wonder, like, it's it's about is it about Charles Manson or is it not? I have no idea. I know Charles Manson's in it, but I don't know if he's the central plot of it. I really hope he isn't. Yeah, because you'd wonder about the the ethical, you know, just making a cool movie about a murder. But I, I think there's a lot of ethics inv- involved in his films as well. I mean, he I think he he definitely doesn't think too much about them. Like he, I remember watching an interview with him saying that like my film Django Unchained is the first film to sort of really discuss slavery. I was just like, oh man, please. I think this was the same year that 12 Years a Slave had been made as well. And I was like, listen, man, take the back That's seat so on this really... one. Maybe don't even get in the car. He's the, he's the, uh, Quentin Tarantino is the savior of the, uh... <laughs> yeah, he's the only man that. telling their story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, what's the next film? Ah, yes. The next film is Old Boy. Ah, Alte Junge. Alte Junge. For our German listeners. Mm-hmm. Well, you saw this one, Killian. What, uh, you got nothing to say about it? Well, Old Boy has had the 4K restoration, and I went to see it in the lighthouse uh, just this week, and this is what I thought about it. Man, just got out of a screening of Old Boy, a 4K remastering, re-release of it. And uh, fuck, that film is... Obviously, I've seen that film before, uh, and it's, you know, commonly cited as one of the great films of the uh, of the noughties. But um, when I watched it when I was younger, I seemed to, I seemed to have a much bigger palette for films that were very gruesome and difficult to watch. Because, I mean, I watched that, and obviously, it's excellently made and it's stunningly executed. But fuck it's difficult it is difficult like the gruesome scenes and the tough um subject matter and the turns and the twists and also knowing you know this twist that happens at the end knowing that while watching the entire film makes it a very uncomfortable watch but uh yeah jesus i mean obviously you're watching a masterpiece of cinema but it's also very very hard to watch i was planning on seeing uh 
of the photograph, which is obviously meant to be a very nice, uh, heartwarming film. And I went to see this instead. And Jesus, I'm a little bit hungover and I, I think I made the wrong choice. <laughs> but uh, still, I mean, great film. Makes me want to visit Korea, weirdly, because it doesn't really look like a great advertisement for Korea. But yeah, great film. Um, tough to watch. I think my movie tastes have changed. Yeah, I think um, the more I think about Old Boy, and I, I guess there's things in it that maybe annoyed me. Um, I was talking to Anne about it and saying like the female characters in it and the violence just was getting to me, even though right. obviously it's this great plot and everything. It was getting to me, and I guess. The rule, the general rule is like if that stuff, if you're able to watch this piece of art or you're able to listen to, let's say, Michael Jackson's music and not think about the that he's a pedo or if you're able to, you know, listen to R. Kelly and not think that he's, uh, you know, a pedo, a sexual predator and a pedo, <laughs> um, then it that's fine. Go ahead. Uh, but I, w- I wasn't able to watch this and like not be like, man, this is this is bad. Like this film is bad. Like the, the female characters suck. The, there's just loads of gratuitous violence. They're just kind of like just nothing people that, you know, the men have to save and have total control over them. And like, mm. yes, the plot's amazing. Yes, the scenery is fantastic. Yes, the, you know, the, the, the acting's brilliant and the sound and everything is kind of on point. But I guess looking through the prism of uh, 15 years lived, um, I just, I don't know, it kind of got to me and I wasn't able to Great. enjoy the film in the same way. It did, yeah, it got to me. It's uh, I can't. It's funny now because I probably haven't seen that since I was that age, and when I think back, I'm just thinking back, going like, "Yeah, it's fucking class." But uh, none of that really. The only bit that really resonates with me now is the he the pit where he eats an octopus. But uh, yeah, that seems so class. <laughs> but what I don't really remember. It's it's just the the, the girl his interest in it love interest i remember she's very very submissive towards him or towards yeah, everyone but like really. there's a scene where he like full-on obviously he's been in captivity for 15 years and then there's this character and like i don't know if i'm able to re- reveal the twist of old boy maybe i won't because don't, people don't. might not i won't but but there's there's this like there's weight to who this girl is and then he goes in into the bathroom while she's in there and like tries to have it on with her she knocks him on the head and like he goes away and then she comes out and kind of like almost apologizes to him and then you know tries to like tempt him back and says do it again i promise i won't she she literally says do it again i promise i won't put up a fight next time and i was watching mm. that going ah fuck man i, I that's i actually good. remember what she actually says is it hurts but i must endure that's when they actually perform the act she also says that which is also just so uncomfortable. I don't know. If you're able to watch a, a piece of art and not get bothered by the politics of it and can still enjoy it, and I do that for a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff I forgive because I still like it. Then you can go ahead. But this was one of the cases where I was watching it and I just couldn't get over the politics of, of it or what, what was going on. That that I remember that film when I first saw it. I guess it was one of the first... It was definitely the first Korean film I'd ever seen. And they're kind of known for having weird plots that you really wouldn't find in western movies and things you know don't always turn out well and things often turn out really really terribly and i remember watching that the first time and when i finally 
you know, as things started happening and I watched it, I was like, it was so, how it turned out was so unlike anything I'd seen before that I was actually like, I think I didn't understand this film. Like I, I, I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get what happened. And after a while I was like, oh fuck. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <Yeah. laughs> so would you say now to someone who's never seen it, would you be like, give it a miss or no i think uh oh boy is still a very important film and it's still very very good like the plot and everything like that is very good i'm just saying for me on a personal level i'm not really able to watch it or disassociate kind of certain things that are in it that i have problems with but Mm. on the flip side there's probably you know thousands of films that i will watch that probably have some dodgy stuff in it and i will still watch them happily so i don't know i'd say give old boy a watch it's very important do you know um a a thing kind of related to what you're saying do you know obviously you know 1984 yeah yeah which actually i mentioned i said to a guy in work i said have you read 1984 and he said it's called 1985 and i was like no it's not That was Jürgen. Big up Jürgen. Oh man, that's <laughs> so good. That was, real, that was real nerdy kind of. Well, sag. I just I like his confidence in how wrong he was, and then how confident he was, and how wrong he was. That's always very beautiful. I Dude, mean, it's called 1985. I know, but like, but uh, George Orwell, writer of that, I read another book by him, which I really enjoyed, called um, "Down and Out in London and Paris." Yeah, and. Actually, to give some relevant context, I think George Orwell now, particularly in American politics, people are like, oh, this is Orwellian. This is what George Orwell predicted and all Mm -hmm. this stuff. People on every side of the argument are saying that. And in his other book, which is like a kind of a semi-autobiographical thing about his time living in London and Paris, he says so much racist stuff and anti-Semitic stuff and um, what's the misogynistic stuff. And it's like, fuck, like... (laughs) He just says all this stuff and everyone's like, yeah, it's in a different book though. It's not in the one where he's predicting all the bad things that'll happen, you know? Yeah. What it's, do we forgive? What do we forgive of past people? Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough. What will the future people say about us? That's the, that's the question. I know. Yeah. It is, it is interesting to think like, well, they look back and go, God, I can't believe. Uh, the, the, I'd say they'll look at you and go like, obviously he made an amazing podcast, but he bought so many t-shirts. It's unforgivable. Mm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Man, how's uh can I don't know if this is gonna stay in, but how's the veganism going as a quick side note? Maybe not good to put me on the spot like this, but I think veganism is something that well, this is how it worked for you, and I think this is how it'll work for me. I'm gonna attempt to climb the rafters a few times before I actually end up walking along um doing veganism day to day. I've tried twice in the last month and I'm uh, I'm not there. But I think after my third or fourth attempt, I'll be able to do it. Climb the rafters before you walk along the roof, as the old saying goes. That's the old saying. <laughs> well, it's a vegan saying. Yeah. <laughs> the roof of the barn, which is now empty. <laughs> <laughs> the empty barn full of vegetables. Um, yeah. <laughs> come here, come here. Anyway, Killer, what do we got next? You, uh, I recommended you a film to watch called The Rider. I watched... Very s- yeah, Sad the writer film. by Chloe Zhao. Chloe Zhao. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched this, to be fair, I watched this at about half ten, I think it was last week, in the evening after doing football training, and I was very tired. And I think what I wanted was something with a bit of energy. 
And I sat down and this was a very um, slow moving, uh, emotional, quite depressing film um, about mm. uh, this guy who's had this horrible injury and he, and he loves riding, but he, uh, he's, you know, he gets told that like he'll die if he, or he'll get more seizures or whatever if he, uh, if he gets on a horse again and stuff like that. What I, what was, I guess, kind of not annoying for me was that um, you had told me that the people in the film were uh, non-professional actors. They were actually people that he, uh, that he knows. They're all his friends and family and the person that it happened to is the real person. And I kind of weirdly noticed that from the beginning and it was just there. And I noticed like kind of a bit of bad acting on the part of, um, on the part of some people. And it was kind of like taking me out of it a bit. And oh, I just no. wasn't in the zone. Overall, by the end of it, I did get into it. And like, it's really beautiful. It's a really beautiful film. It's very sad. And it really gives you uh, a really interesting view of like a certain part of America that I don't think I've ever seen that part of America. And it's kind of like no, dreary and, and like kind of shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like, but like probably zero voice for these people. So it was really uh, interesting to see that. Um, but yeah, just like the, the some things, I wasn't like fully uh, able to get into it or something like that. But yeah, I mean, it is it is clearly a, a nice, beautiful film, and I like the pace and everything. It was, uh, yeah. After I was kind of thinking about it during the week, and I was like, oh, why did I tell Killian to watch this like really, really sad, depressing movie? Yeah. But I I just thought it was pretty good. Like I also only found out that the actors weren't real actors afterwards. Um, I don't know if that helped or not. But but yeah, no. Thank you for the recommendation. It's definitely worth seeing, and I'm glad I watched it. If you know what I mean. Would you um would you ever shed a tear at a film? Yes, I would. Would you often would would that be cuz you know some people just don't and some people do. I don't watch I don't shed tears unless I'm in the cinema and I think that's something to do with the fact that I feel like no one is looking at me and I'm kind of peeping, peeking through the hole in the wall. But uh okay. I don't shed a tear at home. Um, especially not when I'm eating a pot noodle and uh by myself. You just you just played 90 minutes of football. <laughs> <laughs> sweating loads yeah <laughs> uh but yeah i asked you to watch um mon uncle by jacques tati and i'm kind of interested to see what you thought i thought it was good it was it was weird like i i i actually looked up on wikipedia while i was watching it because it took me a while to find one in english and then i found some version of it that all of so it's kind of a the film is based on a man and his the town he's living in is kind of becoming very modernized after the war, and there's certain people who are very wealthy and they uh, they all have super modern kind of funny it's a funny film and the the houses are all like over the top like um, hyper modern they have all these over elaborate mechanisms for doing everything and then he just lives like in a normal kind of peasant peasant house. And, uh, yeah, the version I got, all the like peasant people are still in French and all the non-peasant people are dubbed in English. And I don't know if that's, that's how really it's supposed interesting. to be. That's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know if that's how it's supposed to be. Is it? I can't, I don't know. I, I, anyway, I don't think so. But it's really, it's, it's, I liked it a lot. It was quite funny. I did find that some of the physical humor in it went over my head where I was like, I, like there were certain scenes where men would just be running in and out of buildings. And I was like, I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> I, I think this is supposed to be a joke, but I don't, uh, I don't get it. But it, 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 it was, it made, it weirdly made like being poor 
not necessarily being poor, but just being like a common pro yeah. <laughs> in France um, seem really attractive and nice and being wealthy seem really stupid and shit. And like it did that very well. Like he'd go back to like the brasseries and have beer mm-hmm. and stuff. And anytime he was among the rich people, it was always like very stressful and sterile and over the top and stuff. The, 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 um, the physical humor and stuff in it was very funny and the set pieces and, and the way the place looked, it was like all really good though. It's also pretty strange because uh, on top of the English versus French thing, a lot of the time I was like, I can't hear what anyone's saying. And I looked it up on Wikipedia and it said a lot of the dialogue in it is supposed to be almost inaudible. Yeah. Which I was like, that's so weird, but it's also like pretty cool. A lot of just like mumbling and kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was. So you called me up beforehand and said, hey, or you were messaging beforehand saying, hey, we can't get uh, one with English subtitles. And I was really like, I don't think you need English subtitles for this. I'm glad you picked yeah. up on the, like you were saying sort of poor and rich, but I think it's more like a traditional and modern thing. Um, yeah, and, I guess. That, and it's, yeah, like, that's, and it's that's, like more like modernity and uh, and like sort of traditional things. And yeah, I think that contrast is really very beautiful. And those modern houses, I think that's where the best comedy is, like in the weird modern. Mm. I love the scenes with the pipes and the pipes just <laughs> are going and changing <laughs> and the bubbles in the pipe. It's all so funny. But uh, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. glad you liked it. And she has like a, the, the, she's cooking a steak and she has to like basically use a computer so the steak will yeah. automatically turn itself over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. He, he, I, I assume just based on how uh, much it mentioned his film in the credits, he's quite a well-renowned French filmmaker, is he? He'd be, uh, I think, routinely in the, put in the top 10 of all-time filmmakers or something like that. Like Jacques Tati. Jacques Tati, is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he they they his his world sort of the tatty world is um yeah is like one of the most famous cinema universes um just after marvel oh. <laughs> similar <laughs> similar is, very similar his style is just like a far more subtle mr bean that's that's what i i think i think mr bean would have been very but then you also have like buster keaton and charlie chaplin and stuff like that i think he's kind of continuing on that and there's a max Max Power, or no, that's Homer Simpson. Max something, who was an earlier French comedian. Um, uh, but like this physical comedy thing. I think physical yeah. comedy ages well, I think. Yeah. I think it does. It's always funny. Yeah, there's no context to it. It's just people doing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people falling over and stepping in puddles and stuff. Yeah, like there's that scene where the guy's standing beside the curb and the car drives past and the water gets him. That's always funny, you know? Yeah. Someone getting splashed yeah. by water is always going to be funny. Happens to uh, happens to all of us. Um, so what are you going to recommend me this week? This week I'm going to recommend something that I've recommended to you before, but I'm going to recommend it to you again. This is actually a great thing that I can do now. I can yeah, this just is... make you watch things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you will like this one. It's a film called, it's a documentary called Christo Walking on Water. Oh, yes. Um, and it's about an uh, artist called Christo Vladimirov, but he just goes by Christoph, or sorry, Christo. Sorry, just goes by Christo. And mm-hmm. he makes these really huge, like, environmental art pieces. Um, and, like, some of the stuff he's done before, he he does these things called, like, wrapping things. So, like, he wrapped the Arc de Triomphe, which basically meant he draped, like, an enormous cloak over the entire Arc de Triomphe. Um, and he did the same thing to the Reichstag. <laughs> and he's done it to, like, some other, some other big monuments around the world. And this one, this... Um, particular film is about him making these floating piers i don't actually know what the name of the artwork is it might just be called floating piers but he yeah. 
basically makes these enormous floating piers from a from a lakeside town in Italy out to this island and he uses 70,000 square meters of fabric to just construct this bridge that goes all the way out and the thing just follows him in the process of organizing this and then doing it and the day it happens and stuff but it's uh the the man himself so that is amazing but the, the reason the film is so good is because Christo himself is it it's unbelievable how funny he is he's literally like jack tattoo or something like he is uh just like really <laughs> aggressive really funny stubborn old man who just doesn't <laughs> he's just like i guess worked in art that so long that he's like gone beyond keeping up appearances and caring about what people think of him and like the opening scene is him like having a skype call with these people who he's working with to do the project and he's just like screaming down the Sky called talking about <laughs> stuff and like it's so you just like it's unbelievable the way he carries on and yeah yeah I think you'll really really yeah enjoy I can't film. wait to watch this uh, I remember you sending to me I completely forgotten about it but yeah Christo walks on water I really want to see it the the trailer itself already like I feel like I've watched it and he seems like a madman and it looks amazing so yeah I can't <laughs> wait to watch that. Um, there's a bit there's a there's a good bit in the trailer where that like made me be like oh I'm gonna watch this where a guy goes over to him and says, says like, do you want a chair? And he goes, no, no chair. I don't sit. Christo does not sit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that bit. I never yeah. sit. He doesn't sit. Yeah. So I think someone else says he doesn't sit. And then he goes, I never sit. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, oh. Well, uh, my recommendation for you this week is to see The Triplets of Belleville. Have you seen The Triplets of Belleville yet by Sylvia no. Chaumet? Okay, so Sylvia Chaumet, as I mentioned earlier, uh, when we were talking about Barbarian um, uh, Sound Studio, the first film, uh, he is a French director. He makes really nice um, films, lovely little stories. They're animations, and mm. they really focus on sound. He's made one which is about cycling, uh, the Tour de France, and uh, Paris. So I think you'll really, really like this. It's this cyclist whose um, who's mum or granny, I think it's his granny, uh, helps him as he's cycling the Tour de France. And you'll, I think you'll really like it. It's, um, yeah, it's not too long, and it's got a beautiful soundtrack and beautiful uh, sound design. So I think you'll really mm. like it. Cool. Yeah, that sounds great. It sounds very it sounds very wholesome. Oh, it's wholesome. Mm. I could do. I gotta that. start recommending films that aren't French. I think that's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, nice normal one. Yeah, this one's this one's normal. It's a nice little animation. I think you'll like it. You're, you're recommending me real film student films. Well, <laughs> Christo walks on water. That's pretty film studenty. Uh, the rider. Hey. <laughs> I was just trying. I was just trying to seem like I know something in front of you, Mister. Film and broadcasting <laughs> with French. <laughs> and what? Uh, so, what do you do? You have any plans to see anything this week? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go see uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm gonna go check out Tarantino's new flick and see what I think about it. And, As am I. And I think, um, I think, yeah, it's it's worth going to see his films. It always is. Hmm. And um, yeah, I think I'm probably gonna see that too. I'm also gonna check out Vox Lux. Have you seen the trailer for that? Yeah, uh, wait, no. It's like Natalie Portman, yeah, yeah, and she's like a a, a Lady Gaga esque kind of superstar, and she mm-hmm. seems to have some kind of psychological issues relating to her fame. But uh, yeah, I didn't, I'm check I didn't uh, mention it on the pod this week, but I watched uh, Lady Gaga's Five by 
two or something like that. I watched a documentary on Netflix and it is absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> just, I don't even think it deserves anything more than that. It was awful. Um, mm. I think it's just like an hour and a 40 minutes. And I didn't even watch it to the end. But it's like an hour and 20 minutes and maybe whatever more there was. I turned it off after that time. Uh, just an advertisement of herself. And um, I, Why did you watch that? I, I was with two other people and, and they, uh, they, they asked to watch it. And I agreed because I thought it would be interesting. What are their names? Well, they're, well, they're names. <laughs> I don't think I'm in the game of naming names. Um, Fair. Because I don't know what that'll happen. I don't know if there's some sort of legal thing. Oh, where if I mention their names, I can get sued for a lot of money. So I think we'll leave it mm. up. It was too, let's just, I don't want to character assassinate them. Two very stupid, imbecilic individuals. <laughs> <laughs> two morons. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know who these people are, but I'm sure yeah. you're not morons. Uh, I um, also want to see Pavarotti, the documentary about Pavarotti, because uh, I'm into Pavarotti. Yeah. So I'll go check those two out. He's a nice character, isn't he? Yeah, he's just the friendly Pavarotti, the great opera singer. Hey, he's like a big child. The maestro. Yeah. All right, killer. I think that's it. Okay. Uh, thank you for listening. If you've gotten this far, really appreciate mm-hmm. it. We appreciate your views and your clicks. Do we say views? I think your listens. We appreciate your listens. Streams. Um, if you're viewing us in some way, that means you're looking at us from inside our windows, and we don't appreciate that. Um, mm. As we say every week, we appreciate people contacting us with their reviews or whatsapp reviews so my number is 0894902837 please send me a voice message review if you liked uh, any film and we'll stick it in the pod and it'll enrich in the show um anything on your end mark also just um at mk ultrafilm on instagram and mk ultrafilm at gmail.com if you do want to send us anything in and yeah thanks for listening everybody please rate the show just give it five stars. We're not interested in anything less than that. Just give it five stars. And then uh, write a comment saying how good the, the show is. And if you write a really beautiful review, we will mention it on the show. Um, yeah, I think that's nearly everything. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Slant.